Good afternoon, everyone. This is Tawanda with Another Chance Communications, and we are back again to share some information about news you can use and information that we know will be, be beneficial to everyone. We try to bring news and updates as often as possible about something that can really be useful, and we started our platform around mid-March to start showcasing the worldwide pandemic, different things that was going on inside of prison. And our goal is to bridge the gap between people in prison with family, friends, and people in the community. We also want to continue to share information and resources that can strengthen families, that can teach people, that can help advance the mind. We want to be able to reach the lost and serve our communities. And with that being said, today, we are super excited and very delighted to be interviewing um, a young lady that some of you may or may not know. However, you would definitely be hearing her name all over the globe really, really soon. And she has some exciting, amazing things that's going on. And we're definitely not going to steal any of her thunder. I'm going to go ahead and introduce her to you guys, and we're going to get started from there. Ms. Stover, are you there? I am here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. How are you doing this evening? I am doing great. I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty incredible, and thank you so much um, for joining us today. And I'm definitely excited and very eager to get into the call, um, hear all the wonderful things that you have to say, and kind of go from there. So with that being said, tell us a little about who you are. Who is Deborah Ann Stover? All right. Hello, everyone. This is Deborah Ann Stover. And who I am, I am a nurse practitioner. I am a mother, a grandmother. I'm a, I'm eager. I'm a hard worker. And I'm, I'm, I'm focused. I'm focused on a, a, a better goal or a further goal. And what, what Miss um, Silver, what state are you from? Yeah. I live in Georgia. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, but right now I'm living in Lithonia, Georgia. Okay, that sounds pretty incredible. So from Alabama, right now you're in Georgia, and normally when someone says right now, that means they may be moving somewhere else soon. Is, so is that kind of on the horizon, a new place in the near no, future? No, I'm here. No, ma'am. I'm here in Georgia. I've been in this in my present home for 20 years, so I am not moving anywhere. But I am currently here in Georgia, where I have been back for like the last 20 plus years. Okay, okay. All right. Well, definitely, I understand that, and um, there's so much going on in Georgia right now. So hopefully, you're being safe and everything, and of course, practicing social distancing, right? I am. Okay, sounds good. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to get into these questions that I sent you, and I'm going to let everyone know that she is going to cheat because she had the questions before, but it's okay. And um, we may ask you a few other things um, based on some of the answers that you give to us today. So I heard, Ms. Silver, that you actually wrote a book. So tell us, if that is the case, a little bit about what the name of that book is and how you actually derive from the name. Yes, that is true. I have written a book, um, and the name of the book is called Raping My Innocence. I derived or arrived at that title after speaking with 
a um a person that I was I guess we was at like a in a um a meetup setting and she was the manager of the meetup setting and she she was going over I was going over my story with her and the name just flowed off her tongue and it just sounded like a good name for me to start my book and immediately I started. I started I ran with it. So that was an inspiration and I sounded like a good title and it fit so well that I decided I would just move forward with the book and that's how the title came about and my story in the book is reference to the way that I I came up. Okay, with, um, okay, okay. Wait, wait one second, Miss Silver. We just want to talk about oh. number two right now with with the name of your okay. book. It's actually called Raping My Innocence. <laughs> now it, that it is, is really an interesting title. And I remember um, when I actually heard that title the first time. I think when you told me about it. Do you remember my response? I kind of remember your response. It's like, wow, <laughs> something, yeah. Well, I think after you told me the title, then you said, oh, now I wasn't raped. <laughs> no, and I'm like, oh, raped. okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, okay. All right, yeah, that definitely kind of alarmed me. So, yeah, definitely a title that's really catchy. So the million-dollar question is, Raping My Innocence, what in the world is this book about? Well, this book is about my life. And when I say it's about my life, that means that early in my life, I was in a group home. I was in foster care. And then I was in foster care again. So during the process of the foster care, there was young boy, these were boys for the most part, that was talking into my ear, sweet nothings in my ear, now, mind you, during my process in the group home and in foster care, I had no parental guidance, no one to tell me or show me any affection, tell me they love me and things are going to be all right. So I, in return, I guess, was listening to what the boys had to say, and they got into my ear. And one thing led to another. So what they really did was they wanted sex from me, and they got it. They, they raped my innocence because I really didn't know what I was doing and didn't know how I even became pregnant. So that's why the title, I think, is fitting for the book. Whoa. <clears throat> that is really interesting. So you're saying that you were basically writing the book about your life and you had mm-hmm. actually were in a group home <laughs> Oh my goodness! And then you actually had experiences with guys, and you kind of you had the experience, but you really didn't know what in the world was really going on. Hmm. Correct. That's that is correct. really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, first and foremost, like just hearing that you were in a group home. If you don't mind me asking, what was that experience like? I know that I know so many people now that are workers, um, and they have children in their their home. So what was, how was that experience for you? Well, being in a group home, in my eyes, in my definition, because I didn't want to be there, horrifying because I didn't want to be there, but actually the care that they gave us, I guess because it was a job for them, was suffice. I mean, I went to school, I ate well, I dressed well, we got Christmas presents, 
So we had a cook. We, I mean, we had all the basic essentials that we needed for a decent life, but there was no affection and or love there. And I didn't want to be there because I wanted to be home with my mother. So, but it was, um, it was just, I mean, and in defense of the other children that were in the home, they had issues and problems too. So we all was dealing with our own issues. Yeah, of course. Of course. That that definitely makes sense. And one one of the things you said, a lot of times we know that, you know, you have to go to a group home or to a foster care or something for different types of reasons. And like you just mentioned, you had presence and you had a nice, clean place to stay. But one thing you didn't really feel there was love. Um, that really is really, really interesting um, because you're, you're in a house of strangers. And then there's some people that I know that are foster parents and they have group homes to where they have the same children for years. And, so of course, you develop, you know, affections and love after a period of time. Um, how long were you actually in a group home? I was there for eight years, eight or nine years. So we got there in 1969, and I left there in 78. Whoa. Okay, hold up. <laughs> and you're saying we, so this is this is more than just you. Oh, my siblings too. Uh, it was it was six of us, but five of us was in the group home. Some ventured out to foster care. So it was really just me and my older sister left there at the time that I left. Okay. Now let me ask you, how did you end up in a group home versus foster care? Why were you not placed or why were you, you and your siblings not all placed in foster care? Now really, I can't answer that question, but I can tell you that once they put us in the group home, I imagine the group home was probably like a quick fix and there was some place that could house all of us because it was six of us, but only five of us went there. My youngest brother was too young to go there. So I imagine we all ended there because it was a quick fix and everybody could be there. Um, okay. I'm assuming. But they, as soon as we, I mean, they were, they were weaning us out to foster care as soon as possible. Like I said, after eight years, only two people was left there out of my family. That was me and Thelma. Hmm. That is definitely definitely interesting. And basically, what you're saying is, in the almost eight years that you were there, did you initially feel love at any point, like some type of love and affection? Never. Never. I always felt like it was they were doing a job. So no, I never felt anyone cared anything about me. I never felt anyone loved me. It's just it was. It was not – at the time, it didn't seem like a good place to be. As I've gotten older, I realized it probably was the best place for me. Mm. All righty. Okay. Well, thank you definitely for sharing that. Um, you just never know. And, and as long as I've not actually known you, I, I never knew that. So um, – and we all go through so many different types of experiences in life for so many different reasons. Now, were you the oldest child as you guys were there for about eight years? Did anyone perhaps turn 17 or 18 and age out of the system and leave there? Or what was that like? Or did you go, guys go at a very young age that when you left, you were still under um, age? Okay, now... When you say aged out the system, yes, my I have a brother that aged out and a sister that aged out. 
but they were already in foster care. They aged out. Um, I didn't. I, of course, ran away. And then Thelma, I don't, she didn't age out because she came home to Birmingham as well with Mama. So. But I don't know. Okay. Okay, so my last question about that is you mentioned that someone came back home to Mama. So so your mother was actually still around. She, you, you guys just didn't stay with your mom? That's correct. We were removed from our mom at an early age. I was like four or uh, five. Um, her and her brother obviously had some disagreements that we had actually moved to Georgia, Decatur, Georgia. They had a disagreement, and that's how – we wanted up in the system because our uncle Sonny called the people on to for us to come for them to come get us, and um, yeah, so that's how we got to be in the system. But even though someone called, people called all the time. Was there something that warranted them to keep you for all those years from your mom? And what did your mom do all those years while her children were in the group home in foster care? Well, she lived. Um, she actually left Georgia. She was incarcerated. So when she got okay. out of incarceration, she left Georgia and moved back to Birmingham. And later on, she had three more children. And those three children stayed with her until they were grown. But, um, really? Yeah, she, she, yeah, she lived. And um, she couldn't find it back, I guess. You know, you had to have a certain income or certain something in order to get us, to, for her to get us back, and I guess she never could meet their standards. So they kept the children. Yeah, so they kept them. Oh, gosh. Okay. Definitely, that is really interesting. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Um, okay. So basically, this book is about your life, and you mentioned going to foster care, staying in foster, going to a group home, I'm sorry, and staying there mm-hmm. for about eight years, and I think you also mentioned something about running away. Explain that. Well, after I got tired of being there, so I thought I'd run away. So that's what I did. And when I ran away the first time, they brought me back. Then I ran away again, and they put me in juvenile. And then after they put me in juvenile, I went to a foster home. And then after the foster home, I ran away again from the foster home, and then I went back to Alabama with my mom. So basically, when were you running away because something was going on there that it was a problem? Or what was the reason you were actually running away from the group home? Well, the group home was a problem in itself because I didn't want to be there. So I thought I okay. didn't want to be there. And at the time, I didn't want to be there. So it was a problem in itself. And I just wanted to be with my mom. And okay. that was my way of... Um, I guess acting out, showing out, expressing that, hey, this is not where I want to be. Can y'all please let me go? So they mm-hmm. let me go. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, we just had um, one of my partners is actually Dowdy, and I know she's going to want to jump in. And um, welcome to the call, Miss Lori. How Hi, are you Lori. doing, my sister? I'm good. How are you ladies doing today? All right. Doing pretty incredible. We're just getting started talking to Ms. Deborah about her book, Rape My Innocence, and just the journey of what um, made her start writing this book. And 
she was talking about the group home and she ran away. So I wanted to ask you this other question in reference to the group home and running away. You said your mom had three other children. Was there any resentment at all from the other six children that were in the system because mom had more children? Tell me about that. Oh, no, no. We didn't have no – well, I can speak for me. I don't think – they didn't show and they still don't show any resentment, um, and I don't think there was any. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. What made you decide to write this book as at this point in time, 2020? Well, at this, why now? At this this point in time and right now is because a lot of people know my name, they know my profession, but they don't know my story. So what I want is I want to let people know that you do not have to let your past defines your future. In fact, I work with a lot of people, and they tell me these stories, and I look at them, and I'm like, really? Is that all you got? You can come better than that. Because I got a story that should have made me sit down, get on drugs, or shut up, or do something other than be successful because my struggle was real. And I tell people all the time, you don't know what someone is going through in life so there, you need to be mindful of how you handle people and speak to them. So I just felt I needed a, I have a story to tell, and I felt the need to tell it. And I'm not getting any younger, and I want this story out because I feel like it can help some young people focus and get themselves together where they think they can't do when they really can do. They just need some guidance. Absolutely, absolutely. Just thinking about the title of your book, Raping My Innocence. And just to go back to that before I turn it over to Lori, I know she got a couple of questions she wanted to ask. Raping My Innocence, you're not telling us that you've actually been raped. You're saying that your innocence was raped. Can you explain a little more for the the listeners, how was your innocence taken from you? When I say raping my innocence, that means that by definition rape, no, I wasn't. But by terminology rape, I was, because the thing is that someone has taken something from me and I really didn't consent to it directly, but indirectly I didn't know any better, so I did consent. So it was, uh, I guess, terminology would be a consented rape because I really didn't know what I was consenting to I didn't know exactly what I was doing. And then when I found out I was pregnant, I didn't even realize how I got pregnant. So hmm. that's why the term raping my innocence is so sweet. I was so naive. So I, I had no clue about life. You know, I was sheltered. And that group home, no one taught me anything. No one showed me anything. No one told me the side effects of sex or what sex was. So I was lost. So that 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 that's why it, it was a fitting title. Mhm. Definitely. Definitely. All right, all right, all right. All right, Lori, I'm going to turn it over to you. I know you had a couple of questions for, and I had one last question after you finish, and we're going to wrap up. Yes, Deborah. How do you think moving forward? How do you think? I believe that uh, with everything that you've been through. There are a lot of young girls out here right now that's misled. Uh, it's easy for them to get tangled up with the wrong person that's promising them the world, and they're not really getting the world. 
So how do you think you'll be able to come on out and, and be a guide or a mentor or something like that for them? Because I know that just by your book, uh, you can turn around a lot of lives just with your testimony alone. And a lot of times when one person has a testimony that the other one don't, you'll shed some light on the person that's going through a situation. Like, for instance, with me, I haven't walked the path that you have, so I probably couldn't mentor to somebody, whereas you could because you've been there and they're more apt to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my hope is that with my mentoring, um, well, with my book, that either I or someone can seek out to, uh, they can seek out to get help as needed to not let this happen to them. If it has exactly. already happened to them, so maybe they can correct the action or the, the mm-hmm. wrong right now moving forward and they won't have to deal with what I have dealt with because it was not an easy right. journey. It was doable because I made it doable, but the average person would have survived it. Exactly. Yeah, I made it doable. So, um, exactly. so that's my hope. And that's my that's my hope and my prayer that that can happen. Even I got a child going through it, so I got the so when I, when I get my resources and stuff in line, she needs some help as well. So yes, um, exactly, it's, it's a tough journey. It's a tough journey, but I'm just hoping that this book, if it helps just one person, change the will. avenue that they're going down then I'll, I'll say it was a complete success. But, you know, even me reading the story, I get emotional myself. And it's right, my story. Right, get that. And it's your story. So I was like, yeah, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I tell someone, I said, oh, girl, I, I had to stop. I had to stop and come right. back later. You know, so mm-hmm. I, just, I just want young girls to know you don't have to settle. Exactly. You, know, you don't have to settle. You can, you can do it. Right. Yes. 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 And um, when people out here like you that has already has already been through that, that makes it better for young girls to be able to have somebody to talk to and share things with versus somebody that they say don't understand. You you've been there. Correct. You understand. And I understand. So I yes, I, right. I really can't wait until you get this book out because I really see it really being something that every young lady needs to have in their hands. And like you say, the ones that's going through this right now, silently, maybe you can bring mm-hmm. that barrier to where they can call you up and right. say, Deborah, I read your book. Uh, can you mm-hmm. help me? And I'm sure you will. Right. I sure will. I'll help anybody that wants help if I can help them. Yes, ma'am, I will. And hopefully if that's I can wonderful. help them, I have some guidance. Or I can direct so, right. them in a way that somebody exactly. will be able to help them. Yeah, so exactly. that's my hope. That's wonderful. Congratulations mm-hmm. on the book. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. And just really thinking about just the world we live in today with so many people going through different things, and we all know, because we can think back to when we were 16 or 17. I'm pretty sure it wasn't that long ago for some folks. And just and nothing against, like, men or anything like that. But sometimes people do take advantage of people, especially when you're young, you're naive, you don't really know. 
and and that can screw somebody's whole life up. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So definitely, it's just really amazing that you have chosen to be transparent and share your story, because sometimes people will be embarrassed. And um, I think right. you told me by the time you were 19, you were a mom. I was of four. And of mom of four at the age yes. of 19. Right. And think about that for a second, everyone that's listening. By the age of 19 years old, having four children, I'm telling you, some folks are struggling with one. So, like, financial-wise, education-wise, you know, living, how in the hell did you take care of four children and you were a child yourself? Right. I was. Um, determination, I guess. Determination. And my yes. drive was. Yes. Yeah, my drive was that I grew up in the system, and I refused to let my children grow up in the system. So I always said if I had children, once I realized where I was going and after what I was already had been through, that I didn't want my children to grow up the way I did. I wanted them to at least stay together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so. That's amazing. Well, I have one last question for you, Miss Deborah, and that question is, what is next? You're going to put your book out. Your book is coming out in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So what next? What next is I would like to my nonprofit business. My nonprofit okay. business, I, a clinic. I want. I just want to continue to help people. That's what I, okay. I really want to do. So, um, yeah, the nonprofit, and it can be, I don't know. I, I, I really want to open up a clinic, and I want to focus on... Um, I, I, I really want to focus on a lot of things. I can do DOT um, um, exams now, so that's one thing. But my primary goal is I would like to help women with weak bladders because they got this thing called pelvic floor therapy that can help them because a lot of women, as quietly as it's kept, have incontinent episodes. And it's a shameful thing, so therefore they don't tell a whole lot of people. They're just going by the pads and keep that a secret when you got when they got machines and stuff that'll tighten up your muscles in your bladder that'll keep you from having any kind of episodes so you can have a normal life. Okay. So that's that. Okay. So you, you got excited about those businesses. You said something about the bladder and D O T and you got your non profit. So you well, are you, you are you launching three businesses? You asked me what was next. <laughs> that's next. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot too. Oh my gosh. Get ready, get okay. ready, get ready. I'm ready. Absolutely. So in, in reference to your non profit, what is it that you're you're looking to do through that? That is it. I was just explaining. I would like to help young ladies for the most part. That's gonna be my primary goal, helping young ladies hopefully through crisis and all that other stuff, but at the same time have a clinic where they can be offered services. Okay, okay. Oh, all right, all right, all right. That sounds amazing. All right, Ms. Lori, any other questions that you have for Ms. Deborah? Ms. Lori, you still there? Okay, maybe she went on mute. All right, Ms. Deborah, is there anything oh, else that we okay. didn't ask you? Just- I was. I okay. was just talking, and I am on mute. But okay. I think okay. she's going to be a, a, 
a huge asset to a lot of young ladies, especially in this day and time that we're in. And mm-hmm. with a lot of the trafficking and other things that's out here that's, that's gearing not only towards young girls, even little boys. So mm-hmm. I really Absolutely. think that this book is going to be an eye-opener. I think she's going to really be surprised of the young women that will contact her that's been mm-hmm. silent about what they're going through and they just needed an open. And they're going to see her as an open. And she's mm-hmm. going to be able to minister and help way more young women than she ever imagined. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, that definitely sounds incredible. And, Deborah, before you go, tell us a little bit about your educational journey, because I know you mentioned doing Open the Clinic. So what kind of skills and experience do you have in reference to Open the Clinic? Well, right now I am a family nurse practitioner. I'm certified. I have a master's degree in nursing. I'm working on a doctorate degree in nursing that should be finished right at a year from now. And and I, I'm getting all the practice and, and um education I need because I work in a, I currently work in a clinic. So I'm learning through them what to do to help take care of patients. So so yeah, I have a master's degree and I'm a family nurse practitioner right now. Nineteen years old with four children now having a master's degree and being a nurse practitioner and working on your doctorate. I I would say that is pretty incredible. Okay. Well, that definitely sounds amazing, and um, we're going to definitely wrap things up. Lori, was there anything else you had that you wanted to ask her? Uh, I just basically want to ask her, where do you see yourself at after you've come through your journey with all of this? Where do you see yourself at right now? I I see myself. Um, I see myself as, far as, a, as a person, as a woman. Well, as a woman, I see myself with a peace of mind, and I see myself right. just, 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 just living. You know, because right. Even though I I like to help people, but I like to help me as well. So I just see myself exactly. as living because my struggle was real, and I think it's time now to live. And, you know, go travel the world if I can. If they ever open it back up, that's what I would like to do, continue to travel <laughs> and do things like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, wonderful. Yes. So well, that definitely sounds uh, sounds amazing, and, and just emphasis on helping people and helping yourself at the same time, that just makes sense. Well, you know what? We're going to mm-hmm. post a link. Um, to everyone to be able to contact you, Ms. Silver, um, the information to your book and your website, when you get that information available, we'd love to get you back on after you've been doing some book tours and find out where you're going. But we're just really super excited about your book, what you're doing to your nonprofit, your clinic, helping people, and so many things. So congratulations to you, and definitely we look forward to just keeping us informed with updates about what's going on with you. Please, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're That's definitely good. welcome. And Ms. and Ms. Lloyd, thank you so much for helping me answer these questions, and we're going to definitely wrap it up. But, hey, until then, is there anything else you want to say as you close out? No. Thanks. Have a blessed and safe day. Thank you. You too. All right. Well, Let's that concludes our session for today. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone. This is Sawanda with Another Chance, and I appreciate you ladies, and I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you.